This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire Signature NHL Hockey Pod Podcast with Stats Ben and AJ, brought to you with support from our pals at Owner's Box with their new way to enjoy fantasy sports. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host is AJ Scholes, a great follow at AJ Scholes24, based in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, near Rotowire headquarters over in Madison. AJ, the weather's improving here, and it's given me a sunny disposition today, despite my team's troubles of late. We're getting a very early glimpse of spring in southern Ontario. What are you dealing with weather-wise? Well, we at least got rid of the snow here in Wisconsin, but uh, we're going to have some, some rainy days ahead, but you know, had a, a pretty nice weekend. So yeah, definitely the, the sunny weather is on the way. You know, we're, into, we're officially into spring, so everything's on the up and up. That's great. Well, I'm excited about spring because it means I'm not too far away from playing a little bit of golf. And that brings me to a second sponsor note. It's related to a new podcast that uh, Rotowire listeners can look forward to. There's a new show on the Rotowire podcast network, folks. It's called Better Golf. That's B-E-T-T-O-R, Golf. In this series, golf writers and editors from Rotowire and Morning Read join forces to preview the upcoming week's PGA Tour event and offer insights on who they like and who to avoid. If you enjoy gambling on golf or have have money on the line in a fantasy league or a daily fantasy site like FanDuel or DraftKings, this show is for you. Just search for Better Golf with an O, that's better with an O, wherever you already listen to our podcast. You'll know you've found it when you see the bag of money. Let's not forget about our main sponsor, though. Uh, we'll talk about Owner's, owner's Box a little bit later in the show. And uh, AJ, with that, let's take a turn into our look at the weekly look at the 31 teams this time i get to go first so i have a little bit more work than you today uh maybe you can talk longer about a couple of teams uh, i know you'll have <laughs> some commentary about pittsburgh for sure but uh, in any case we'll remind our listeners we don't throw in a lot of stats on the monday games we uh, look at last monday to the previous com- previously concluded weekend for our numbers we will throw in a couple of injury notes though if they are relevant from last night's hockey we start as always with anaheim they are eighth in the western conference a long shot to make the place 
postseason right now. They went one, two, one and two last week. Got some offensive performances, nice ones from Adam Henrique and Troy Terry. They com- they combined for a total of nine points. The left wing on the third line, though, is a guy who has the spotlight on him, and that's Trevor Zegras. He's a young rookie who made his uh, splash on the NHL scene actually before the season with the World uh, Junior Championships. Zegras was the MVP of that tournament for the United States. He's uh, had a bit of a, uh, an up-and-down start, five points in 12 games played, but a nice week last week with a goal and two helpers. Ryan Miller's been forced to take on a little bit larger load with the injury situation to his uh, partner in the nets there, and uh, we, maybe AJ can talk a little bit more about the update and goal for John Gibson, but uh, Miller went three games, only one win and 12 goals against in total. Another youngster making his debut last week was Jamie Drysdale, a recent number one draft first-round draft pick, a goal and one assist in two games played, a total of 38 minutes, so they're throwing him into the fire, and, and uh, he's responded quite well so far, AJ. Yeah, you know, the the injury front is obviously a concern for, for a lot of teams with, with John Gibson. Um, we haven't seen a, a lot out of him in terms of getting on the ice and, and when he's going to return, um, so that's that's obviously a concern, but this isn't a playoff team, so let's be let's be honest. That there's no reason to rush uh, a 27 year old netminder back in until he's fully ready. Ryan Miller, fully capable of carrying the load for this team. Uh, you know, you they did uh, get a little bit of a boost on the on the defense. Josh Manson back in action and and healthy, so that'll certainly help. Um, but look, the, you got to pick and choose your spots here to to utilize this team. And if you've been struggling with goalies for a while, you know, maybe consider Ryan Miller. Look, he's not going to turn around this team and make Anaheim a winner, but at least he's going to get some starts. Um, I know, you know, it feels like every couple of years I end up with a goalie that gets hurt um, and I've got nowhere to go because the goalie pool just ends up not being that deep of guys getting starts. So uh, if you're in trouble, maybe look at, at Ryan Miller there. In Arizona, um, a, a decent week for them, 1-1-1. One, one, and one. Uh Finding some offense, but not the guys you would necessarily expect to score goals here. You know, if I'm if I'm looking for them to get some goals, I'm looking at you know obviously Phil Kessel. Um, you know, maybe maybe uh, 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 you know a little deeper, uh, Christian Dvorak, obviously uh, Christian Fisher, those guys. But instead, they got three goals out of Derek Broussard. Uh, you know, he's seeming to, to find his game for the first time in, in a while. It's been a, kind of a, a long stretch. Um, Connor Garland chipped in a goal and two assists. So, uh, again, this team is going to be competitive uh, in, in trying to get that fourth spot, whether they can actually secure it. Um, I think, you know, I think is unlikely. Um, but, you know, they're trending in the right direction on, on that front, at least offensively. The problem is Darcy Kemper continues to be out and now what they originally thought was going to be maybe a two to four week absence they're still labeling him week to week so that's not encouraging news and that means we'll see more anti-ranta more Aiden Hill so again another spot if you're in some goalie trouble uh, maybe take a look at those two guys yeah I'm going to keep an eye on Drake Kajula over here this guy's been up and down the roster but he gets a scoring line opportunity alongside Dvorak and Kessel He's come through in the past in that role, so I'm gonna I'm gonna just keep a spocky eye on him and see if he can go on a bit of a run there. I think it's a good spot for him. Over in Boston, the Bruins are uh, dealing with a couple of injury situations themselves. 
Trent Frederick, he made an early impression with his physical play and a couple of goals, AJ, but he's now out with a lower body injury. Uh, he was listed in the bottom six of their depth chart offensively, but I, I like this kid, and I think he's got a future in Boston. I think when the fans return, he'll be a real fan favorite. David Krejci has uh, three assists last week on his uh, docket, but only one goal in 24 games played. 15 helpers. He's still one of the better distributors of the puck as a playmaking center, but he's now in COVID protocol, and so that hampers the Bruins as well. And Jake DeBrusque, uh, his subpar season continues, only seven points in his 21 games played. He too is also in the COVID protocol. And Matt Grizzlick is uh, a guy on defense who's emerging as a scoring option here. Uh, I think he he showed glimpses of this in the past, but now they need him by necessity to step up and help Charlie McAvoy as probably the only two guys on that back end with the offensive upside from the blue line. Uh, Disturbing note, uh, in addition to the other names on the COVID protocol, David Pasternak is a guy that that is there but on the bright side they've had a couple of games postponed already so going forward if uh, neither none of these guys test positive they may not miss any more game action so keep an eye out on on the rotowire depth charts that uh, aj and the group at, at the home offices in wisconsin they do a great job of updating that status and aj i don't know if you have any more information that's even more current than what i just read off no, I mean, I don't have have a ton to add there. You know, I think it just speaks to we had a couple of weeks there where it looked like, you know, COVID cancellations were going to be behind us um, and that, that maybe we had, you know, between uh, numbers going down in, in both the U.S. and Canada and, and, you know, progressing in the right way. And that science, vac- you know, vaccines going out, stuff like that, that maybe um, we we're past having cancellations. And then we had. Boston loses out on two games, uh, and then obviously last night up in Canada, Edmonton and Montreal had to be called off as well. And so now uh, it feels like a little bit of a, a, a one step forward, two steps back situation. But I remain optimistic that you know we'll finish this season. Um, and if anything, you know if you're a Boston fan, it's it's not a bad thing to have a few extra games in hand heading into the the last couple months of the season here. Um, and they could track down, you know, some of those, those top, uh, you know, one, two spots in, in the conference in Buffalo. It continues to be just an absolute slog for them. Oh, and three last week that makes them oh eleven 11 and two in their last 13 games. Uh, certainly not good enough for them. Obviously they don't have Jack Eichel. Um, they've been dealing with injuries to, uh, Linus Olmark, Carter Hutton banged up as well. Uh, Kyle Oposo is out once again. And so really there, there hasn't been much good to talk about if you, if you're looking for it. Um, the fact that Jeff Skinner had two goals in his last four games, uh, that that's certainly a step in the right direction for him. I think anything, uh, on the, the score sheet for Jeff Skinner at this point is a, a step in the right direction. So, uh, you know, that that's obviously good news. Then, of course, there's the bad news that Taylor Hall hasn't had any points in his last four games either. Um, and, and like I said, uh, Eichel is out. I really think, you know, this team is just has the potential to just be eaten alive at, at the trade deadline here. You know, I've seen Sam Reinhardt's name linked to a couple of teams. He'll be a restricted free agent. Uh, so, you know, there's a little bit more value for him um, because you don't he wouldn't be a straight up rental. Obviously, Taylor Hall, you know, I know he struggled, but he, he's still a talented player and he's on a one year deal. So you're n- not making any long term commitment if you bring him in. Um, so I, I think it's going to be open season on the Sabres if they want to sell things off here. Yeah, the trouble with a guy like Taylor Hall, though, is, is the Buffalo's going to have to retain part of the salary 
and and uh, teams going to have to be willing to take the rest on if if they can work something out that way. Uh, you, you know, maybe they go that route. But uh, the Pagulas have, have made a mess of, of their time in Buffalo in terms of the success of the franchise here. It's not gone well, despite some big splashy signings that turn out to be ugly looking ones. Now we continue to hold up the Jeff Skinner contract as Exhibit A in that regard. One of the worst deals with a, a long term remaining at a very high cap number for a guy who's just forgotten how to score it's it's a real shame what's going on in buffalo because they have a legion of, of some of the best fans in the league and and i for one hope that they can turn something around in the near term to uh, keep keep that fan interest uh, going forward uh, over in carolina no such issue with the fan base uh, this team is in the thick of the race third in the central division though they had a bit of a blip last week with one loss and two overtime losses uh, one regulation loss two overtime losses that is on the ice, the news uh, is a bit choppy. Uh, Vinny Trocek has missed five games with an upper body injury. That hurts the club because he he was holding down the second-line scoring role. But the good news is he was back at practice yesterday. Uh, that uh, His absence has moved uh, Stahl and Martinuk up in the center depth chart. Neither one of those guys a real threat or uh, a viable option in DFS to show you that the upside offensively is limited there as long as Trocek's out. Peter Morazic, though, also another new injury note. He's back at practice, cleared uh, to to join the club after his thumb injury. That means he could possibly get into a game later this week, but actually take over the net uh, again going forward uh, soon after that. Toivo Teravainen, another guy skating before practice on Saturday, so the infirmary is emptying out. Teravainen is a guy that immediately becomes a, a scoring line threat uh, partnered with Sebastian Ajo in the last couple of years. He's been really, really solid as a good DFS option whenever the, the Hurricanes do suit up, though he's still a little bit away from a return, unlike some of the other guys I mentioned. Martin Netzkatch is another guy who's taken advantage of the opportunity of some of these absences to really make a mark for himself. He's racked up 10 points in his last 10 games played as a top six right winger, and he's done enough, in my mind, to, to stay there and certainly get a continuing look on the power play which he's enjoyed during the course of this run yes fast another guy who's done well with some of the time that he's been given as a top six winger he's got five points in his last six games so the news is mostly good uh, the injury award is emptying out there and uh, this is a team that will be a threat in this division no question well, I think it speaks to their, their caliber of play that they've been getting from their netminders and, and combined with just the, the general depth of this club that they're able to still pick up two points with the, the overtime losses there and remain in, you know, they're, they're currently sitting second in, in the division right now. Uh, and and that certainly says a lot when you consider the, the players that you mentioned that are out of the lineup. So they're getting healthy, and, and that's certainly a dangerous thing um, for for the rest of this group, but if there's any division that's you know pretty much clear as to who's going to be in and who's going to be out in terms of the playoffs, it's pretty much this one. Tampa, Carolina, and Florida are all in unless something completely collapses, and then you've got you know Chicago, Columbus, Nashville, even Dallas with uh, the number of games in hand they still have competing for that four spot. So it's pretty straightforward. Um, and as you said, I expect them to bounce back uh, pretty quickly here. In Calgary, uh, an inconsistent week, if you will, two and two. Uh, they got a goal and three assists from Backland, uh, and then uh, you know a goal and two assists from Hannafin. Same out of Dylan Dubé and uh, Manjapani. So some decent offensive production over that stretch. Uh, I think the other thing to consider with this team 
No, that that I would say obviously they're underperforming. That's why they've uh, you know made the coaching change, uh, and I expect you know I really expected more out of them this year. I think they had a, a solid lineup. The numbers, uh, with one drastically bad exception, the numbers out of Markstrom over his you know last six games, he's four and two in that stretch, a two point eight six goals against average. And that includes getting shelled to the tune of seven goals against Edmonton uh, on St. Patrick's Day there. So really, I mean, his numbers aren't bad. Um, I I think this is a dangerous team to have to play. And certainly they could climb up uh, the, you know, the Canadian division here pretty quickly. Uh, Vancouver's had their struggles for a while. Montreal uh, seems to be able to find ways to not make the playoffs uh, despite having Carey Price in the net. So uh, don't sleep on Calgary, even though, uh, you know, things might not have gone as well as they would have hoped the last uh, the last week here. Yeah, they didn't help themselves last night with a late uh, loss in regulation to Ottawa uh, to hurt their cause. But you mentioned they have a couple of games in hand and, and uh, this is a team that does have uh, a new coach, and they got the new coach bump but working for them. They're 4-3 and three since Sutter's behind the bench, too. I want to mention on the ice, Noah Hannafin is a guy that worth another mention, uh, AJ, because he was a high draft pick a few years ago in his draft year. I think it was the Mitch Marner draft. The Leafs were decide, deciding what they do. Did they take Marner or Hannafin? I'm pretty sure they're happy with their pick. But Hannafin was the top defenseman selected in that draft, and he's got five of his eight points points on the season in the last nine games played so maybe the the offensive skills are are starting to take root uh, in a very nice situation for him as a a scoring option on the Calgary dead uh, blue line so I'm going to keep an eye on him and see if he can continue the most recent run you did mention he collected three points last week that just extends the run that I was uh, mentioning in my comment here the Chicago Blackhawks they uh, are trying to stay relevant in their division in the central they went 0-3 last week and, and now they've dropped a fifth in that in that grouping it's now a four game losing streak overall they want to put an end to that right away but some of the guys that have carried them early on are struggling right now or in in concussion protocol uh, that uh, the first comment Pius Sutter is one of those guys that's slumping as a scoring line center with only one point in his last nine games played Dylan Strom is a guy that they counted on to play in the middle of the ice but he only returned recently after having missed 11 games scored a goal in his first game back but oddly enough they put him in as a depth forward on the left wing side so uh, I'm kind of curious about that move because they've got precious little uh, production from the current list of four centermen and uh, in the nets Lankin and the bloom is off that rose it seems uh, 0-3 was the mark last week for the rookie netminder who came on to the league with a big splash 11 goals against in, his, in those three game starts so he's got to get it turned around to assist the Hawks in any playoff hopes that they hope to retain going forward Oh, absolutely. I mean, you're not, I, you know, I said this last week, I, I feel bad, keep harping, harping on the guy, but, you know, Malcolm Subban, one in three in his last four contests with, you know, a 0.871 save percentage, um, gave up four, six, three, and five goals respectively in those outings. So certainly they're not going to get anything better out of Malcolm Subban at this point. They've seemed to completely forgotten who Colin Delia is. Because uh, they don't seem to want to use him at all for for whatever reason. So, um, you, you know, it's certainly a, a concerning trend. Um, that, but it's also a rookie netminder. Look, these things happen from time to time, and 
um, you know, it's, it's just going to happen and he's going to continue to develop. So I don't think it's a gloom and doom prospect at this point for them, but it's certainly something to watch. And as, as I have said repeatedly, this is a bonus here for Chicago. If they make the playoffs, great. If not, uh, oh, well, you didn't really think you were going to in the first place. A team that did think that they were going to make the playoffs and has struggled to cement themselves there is the Columbus Blue Jackets. A 2-0 week for them, uh, so that certainly is a step in the right direction, getting plenty of production from the back end, three goals from Seth Jones. Uh, Zach Wierenski picks up an assist. The you know concern here for me, Patrick Laine, one assist in his last three games. Again, uh, if I don't understand trying to make him a defensive player. I want him playing most of his minutes on the power play, using that just absolute cannon of a shot to score goals that way. So, you know, the blue line production is great, but when your goals over the last three games are exclusively from Oliver Bjorkstrand, Kevin Stenland, and Seth Jones, that that's a concern to me given the talent that they have, uh, you know, in the, the top six here. Well, you to amplify your comments on Patrick Laine, one goal in the month of March so far in about 12 or 13 games and two assists, that's way off the pace that they hoped to see from him to lead this offense. It's just not happening. And now there's rumors creeping in that, that he's made comments about wanting to play somewhere else. So you wonder if there could be a blockbuster in the future of uh, Patrick Laine and the Columbus Blue Jackets. The fit just doesn't seem to be there at the moment, and uh, maybe the, he needs to get to greener pastures, and they got to try something else because it's certainly not working there right now. Uh, I can imagine the the interest uh, in other teams to see if they can get more out of him than than has happened in Columbus, but it's just not happening there. Colorado, they're second in the West. Uh, they had a nice week uh, last week, three and zero, and they won last night again. So it's a seven game win streak. Yunus Donskoy, a goal and four assists last week. Ryan Graves. And Samuel Girard, they're emerging as real viable options on the back end, three points each year. So uh, keep an eye on them as low-end DFS value plays if you're looking for a cheap defender. Uh, Brennan Saad is a rugged guy who's fit in to their top six, adding some some grit, but also some scoring with three points himself. They acquired Jonas Johansson from Buffalo for a six-round pick. That was a depth move because they've had some injury concerns. They need a healthy ba- backup to Philip Grubauer, and that's been lacking, and he's been a workhorse and one of the contenders still for the Vezina Trophy as the league's top goalie. The numbers have been right there with anybody you can name in the NHL still. So uh, combined with that high-octane offense, getting top-notch goaltending for him, they're a, they're a tough out right now, and it's showing big time. The other news on the back end, they have returned Makar and Byram from injury, so that boosts the defense in a significant way. Makar immediately becomes a high-end DFS value option. Uh, forward lines are all healthy, too, so it's no wonder they're enjoying the recent hot streak, led by Nathan McKinnon. Nobody's talking about him uh, of late, AJ, but before last night's game, even nine points in his last five outings, and uh, I think if not for the injury problems, this team uh, would be even higher in, in the standings and uh, get it, earning the notoriety that was expected of them before the season started. Yeah, I'm, you know, admittedly a little surprised uh, at the decision to bring in, um, you know, uh, Jonas Johansson. I, I'm not sure exactly uh, what they're seeing from there. And, you know, I, I obviously follow uh, follow along with, you know, kind of the local people there uh, on, on Twitter. And, uh, you know, there just doesn't seem to be, 
uh, any confidence among the local media as to his uh, success and, and what he can offer. You know, obviously Colorado sees something different that they wanted to bring somebody else in to serve as the backup there, but um, it's certainly not a, a fix uh, long term for them. I, you know, I think they need uh, Francis as, as healthy as possible. And then the other thing, you know, just to, to finish that off, it does sound like Johansson could get the start tonight uh, for Colorado. So it'd be interesting to kind of watch and, and see what he does with a better team around him. Let's, let's not uh, sugarcoat it here. Playing uh, with Colorado's uh, forwards and defensive complement is not the same as playing in front of the Buffalo with uh, the Buffalo Sabres in front of you. So uh, I, I think there's, you know, good things could happen here, but I, I'm not totally sold on the acquisition by the abs. In Dallas, uh, they're, they're, as I said kind of earlier, they're towards the bottom of that central division, sitting in seventh. Didn't have a particularly good week, one, one, and two. Um, you know, the obvious benefit to them is Dallas has missed a ton of games at the start of the season for COVID protocols, and then they had the weather issues. Um, so Dallas has played less games than, than anybody else in the league right now. So there's opportunities there. In terms of who produced last week, uh, Ty Delandre uh, uh, had two goals while Jason Robinson had four assists. Captain Joe Pavelski, Captain America, rather, Joe Pavelski had three assists there as well. Um, so decent enough offense out of them. Uh, you know, Radulov uh, is back and healthy. He's got one goal in his last two games. That's certainly a step in the right direction. And the one player that you would probably be hoping for a little more out of that you're not is, is Joel Kivaranta, pointless in his last four games uh, and would like to see him doing a little bit more there based on what he did in the postseason. So I think Dallas is, again, it's, it's a dangerous team that's right there on the cusp and they have just a ton of games in hand. And it's not going to take much to, to get back to, to 100%. You know, the concern with them overall is that basically they said Alexander Radulov is going to be a game-time decision every single game, which is not what you want to hear about a guy that's supposed to be in your top six. Not to mention, you know, we currently have day-to-day -day tags on uh, Radic Fasa, Rupe Hins, Joel, Joel Kivaranta, as I mentioned, so they're, they're a little banged up at the forward position and having a guy of his quality be essentially a, a game-time decision for the rest of the season is, is not good news, that's for sure. Yeah, this team is nowhere near the expectations we had for them at the beginning of the season. The trouble started out of the gate with Tyler Sagan, and they've been missing a lot of top six guys around him. You mentioned Radulov is currently listed day-to-day, -to -day too. Those are blows that uh, no team could withstand, so it's no wonder that the, the stars have faded from, from a really serious contention in this division uh, to date. The Detroit Red Wings, they faded from contention from the drop of the puck at uh, opening night, sadly, <laughs> but we knew this was a rebuilding year for the Red Wings, and uh, yet last week they showed some positive signs, AJ. They went 2-1, and one, actually. Robbie Fabry leading the scoring with four goals. Adam Ernie, primarily defensive forward, collected two as well, but the better, best news of all is Dylan Larkin finally uh, getting back in the groove and uh, coming off his injury issues earlier on. Three assists to his ledger last week. That gives him five points in his last six outings since his return to the lineup. 
Can you believe this stat? I had to do a double take in the net mining stats. Jonathan Bernier has actually got a winning record year to date. Eight and six is his mark on the season. But unfortunately for the Wings, he suffered a leg injury that could cause him to miss multiple weeks going forward. That means the bulk of the goalie load will again fall to Thomas Grice. He's had a bit of a tough go in his first year in the Motor City. Two wins on the season. He picked up his second one last week against 14 regulation losses and four overtime losses. Not the year that he envisioned by a long shot uh, and uh, it'll be on him to see if he can improve that with a, a string of starts in the near future another positive note on the offensive side though Anthony Manta finally scoring like a top six right winger we've been waiting on this because uh, this is a youngster who has uh, got a significant role to play in the future of this team going forward as a key offensive piece and uh, that that offensive game was missing for the longest time he's picked up five points in his last five games played overall that has a heck of a lot to do with Dylan Larkin's return too though well I'll just dive into Edmonton at at this point and and take a look you know second in in the north three and one on the week uh look here's here's the concern for the rest of the north division last four games Connor McDavid four goals four assists Tyson Berry six assists Leon Dreisaitl a mere five points over those last four games uh this is a team that is firing on all cylinders. Half of Barry's helpers came on the power play. Um, the offense is just rolling, and they're getting decent net mining. Miko Koskinen played one game over over uh, you know that stretch and put up a .960 save percentage. Gave up just one goal on 25 shots. Mike Smith has been right around .901 the last the last week or so. So. Um, their, their numbers in the nets are decent. Really, that's all you need when you have this kind of offense. You just need net miners right about point nine is all I would be hoping for. Anything better is, is icing on the cake. So this is a dangerous team with a lot of firepower. Um, it is not going to be easy for Toronto to hold on to the top spot. Fortunately for them, they've got a couple games in hand. Um, but we'll talk more about the Leafs in a bit, I'm sure. <laughs> you can count on it. Uh, a couple other names worth mentioning in Edmonton's situation. Ryan Nugent Hopkins with five points in his last six games played. And Jesse Pugliarvi with three points on the week last week. He's riding shotgun with McDavid and Dreisaitl. So guess what? If you need to plug him in and, and DFS, he's going to be cheaper than those other guys and uh, could have a couple of bounce in off his skates or his body uh, or even have a deflection go off his stick and, and get credit for an easy assist with the other guys on the ice. So uh, a nice guy to, to consider, if you will, because he has that offensive upside. Both players that I mentioned are recent high draft picks in the first round that uh, Nugent Hopkins has performed admirably for the most part, but uh, Pugliarvi needed to go away and rediscover his game in Finland, and he looks like a different player. Uh, still not scoring at the level of a high first-round pick, but eight points and 13, eight goals and 13 points on the season, decent numbers for him compared to anything that he's done before in the league for the most part. Over up next, we talk about the Florida Panthers. This team has in a, been in a season-long battle with their cross-state rivals for the division lead. They're second right now. They went two and two last week, and it's depth forwards that uh, depth forward and depth defensemen that led the parade. Gustav Forsling with three points from his third line pairing on the defense. 
he had a big offensive week for them. Alex Wenberg trying to hold down that second-line center role. It's been, it's been a bit of a black hole in Florida since the departure of Vinny Project. He had three points for them last week. They've still got the big two. The dynamic duo has been split up. Jonathan Huberdeau on a second line with three points, and Alexander Barkov continues to roll along with six points on that top line. We, in the beginning of the season, wondered about Carter Verhage to see how long he could remain relevant. Well, it continues to look like he's the real deal. He's got four goals and three assists in his last seven games played alongside Barkov and still continues to be a low-end price point in DFS play. Uh, but that's got to change with the consistency that he's shown, I figured. Sergei Bobrovsky is on a personal, had a personal five-game win streak snapped last week. He's allowed 19 goals in, uh, in the last seven games, so that's better than what he's done much of the year. It's a sub-three goals against average in that stretch. He started six of their last seven games as well, so the coaching staff feeling a little more confident about him. But uh, don't fret if you own Chris Dreger. This guy recorded a shutout and is only started in that stretch, and you got to figure the next time Bobrovsky fal- falters, they won't hesitate to plug in the, his backup, who's done well all season long. Anthony Duclair has points in it five points in his last six games since he's back from injury and is in the lineup as right wing on the top line as well. Another uh, low, low cost DFN, DFS option for the Panthers, a team that does produce a lot of offense. I think the, you know, the thing with Berhage is, you know, you look at his numbers last year, they, they were decent, nine goals, four assists in, in 52 games. But look, he was buried in a Tampa roster that's just really, really deep. Um, so, you know, getting solid minutes. Here's your comparison for you. Last year with Tampa, time on ice uh, per game, nine minutes and 22 seconds. Pretty decent. Op- you know, opportunities are there, obviously, but but not a lot. With Florida this year, it's 17 minutes, uh, over 17 minutes per game of ice time. They're just giving him way more opportunities, and he's continuing to ca- uh, capitalize on them. I think this has been probably the, the best move he could have ever made to go from a team where, at, at, at best, maybe with injuries, you're looking second line. Maybe if you know things get shuffled up, maybe you get a game or two on the on the top line again with injuries factoring in. In Florida, I think he's a lock for a top six role, and he's been you know uh, you know sitting there on the on the first line for most of the season, and and really hasn't let them down. And I, I think that's the key is that he continues uh, to produce uh, and and you know show that he's he's a top six player in this league now. Am I going to, you know, spend an early draft pick on him yet next year in redraft leagues? Certainly not, but I'm, I'd certainly look at him third, fourth round if he continues uh, to produce at this level throughout the rest of the season. In Los Angeles, uh, it's been a rough return uh, to the crease for, for Jonathan Quick. Uh, his, his last two games, he's given up six goals over that stretch, both in losing efforts. And I think it's fair to wonder if he's just no longer the number one netminder there in L.A. I, th- I think, uh, you know, Cal Pedersen has put up uh, decent performances. You know, the Golden Knights put 42 shots on him the other night. He, he kept all but one of them out of the back of the net uh, to, to pick up a win. And, and really, I think he's, uh, you know, showing that he can be the guy there. Uh, the concern for me, if I'm watching the Kings and, and a Kings fan, is the fact that you look at Pedersen's last four games, he's faced 40 or more shots in three of those contests. 
So he's just getting absolutely uh, a barrage of rubber right now. And that needs to improve. Uh, you know, the, the defensive side of the puck is, is just not there for them right now. Offensively, you've got Anze Kopitar, a goal and four assists in, in his last four games. Trevor Moore, two goals, two assists over that stretch as well. So, okay offensive production. Um, but you're not going to win games when you're letting your goalie see that much, uh, that much rubber. Yeah, a couple of other notes relative to a couple of names you mentioned and one you didn't. For me, Gabriel Velarde's been a bit of a disappointment of late. He got a chance to get a bit of a run at center, and it, that didn't work out. And now he's toiling at, as a fourth-line right wing and not very relevant. But a couple of guys that are right now, Alex Iafalo is playing first-line left-wing minutes and really producing very, very steadily. The 27-year-old is a pending UFA at the end of the season, and there's been some rumors about his trade value uh, the upcoming trade deadline i think the kings would be absolutely nuts to, to let this guy go he seems to be one of the um, offensive leaders of the future for this team in my opinion having really developed his game alongside Anze kopitar it's been a real good learning experience for him and he's taken full advantage of it from where i sit and uh, the same can be said for trevor moore he's been a consistent offensive producer despite the fact there's been a revolving door at center on the second line it seems more has found a way to be produ- productive and relevant in the last couple of weeks in a scoring line opportunity so good for him another ex-leaf farmhand carl grunstrom is in a second line role here as well but the same can't be said for him he's only got one goal to show for his last seven outings and uh, they expected much more from him when they acquired him from the Leafs and I thought he'd show more because I, I watched this guy in the minor leagues and he looked like a viable option they do have another credible offensive piece in Andreas Athanasiu I'm a little bit surprised that he's not logging top six minutes at the moment but I think that's only a matter of time uh, this is one of the top skill guys on this club AJ uh, before we go on to the rest of the lineup, we haven't forgotten about our main sponsor at Owner's Box. And uh, AJ, why don't you give our listeners our weekly reminder about this excellent, excellent company? Hey, NHL fans. Owner's Box is here to reinvent the way you play fantasy sports this season. Owner's Box is not DFS. They are the first ever weekly fantasy sports platform that combines the best elements of the industry into one product. Owner's Box is a head-to-head elimination-style format that keeps players engaged through live snake drafts, social interaction, and a new layer of strategy that allows you to become the ultimate fantasy GM. The best part about weekly fantasy sports is there's no long-term commitment. Users are able to draft a new team every single day and participate in different type uh, types of contests to keep the fantasy experience fresh and fun so you're never out of the game. Compete with your opponent over seven days of fierce competition and get paid out weekly. No more falling subject to unfair payouts as up to 50% of users win money. Owner's Box also allows users to brand themselves and engage socially across the platform in multiple different ways. Add friends, create custom leagues, and rank up to elevate the trash talk and competition to the next level. Think you've got what it takes to be a weekly fantasy guru? Head over to ownersbox.com and start making a name for yourself today. In honor of the NHL season, if you sign up free now, Owner's Box will match your first deposit up to $500. What are you waiting for? Head over to ownersbox.com slash rotowire to claim your bonus and join the new wave of fantasy sports. 
Well done, partner. The Minnesota Wild, ranking third in the Western Conference. They went one and two last week. Victor Rask is getting a bump in ice time as the number one center with two goals in his last four games played. He's playing between Kaprizov and Zuccarello. That's a great landing spot for him to get the most out of his offensive game. Ryan Hartman came off the IR five games ago to be installed as center on the second scoring line. He has only one goal to show for his efforts despite the fact he's been playing between Farisa and Fiala on his wing that's a good situation for both centers here and I think if if Hartman's production continues to wane you can expect Joel Eriksson Eck to get another look there he had a good early start to the season has 11 goals to his ledger only five assists they'd like to see more playmaking out of him going forward I'm sure on the back end one of the one of the guys that's really disappointed for me is Ryan Sutter a perennial 40 plus point defenseman AG he only has nine assists in 29 games played and has yet to bulge the twine himself that has to rank as one of the bigger disappointments in season long if you're rating basing rating on last year's defenseman scoring the wild are licking their wounds after an 11-1 shellacking over two games at the hands of the colorado avalanche that was a measuring stick for this team and by all accounts they failed in in that experience they get a bit of a bump with another veteran ready to rejoin the lineup though marcus johansson has been activated and will be a boost to the depth chart he'll start out as left winger on the third line but may also be in line for power play time he's been a regular and a feature uh, no worse than a second power play unit participant yeah, I definitely agree, Paul, that the, the kind of weak link when you look at this top nine um, with, you know, with Johansson back, the, the weakest link of late has been Ryan Hartman. I, I know he had the injury concerns, but um, I, I think other than Joel Erickson Eck, they could consider putting Nick Benino in that spot. I know he's maybe not your traditional guy that you'd put in a top six role, but he's played with uh, top players in, in both Pittsburgh and Nashville and, and can certainly uh, play with guys like Parisi and Fiala. And, and I think he's an option. And then, you know, there's also, if they wanted to, Nick Bukestad has played a lot of center over his career and, and could be an option as well. Though I, I kind of like the uh, the all Nick line that they have going on their fourth uh, fourth line here with Nico Sturm, Nick Benino, and Nick Bukestad. Uh, a, a fun little uh, a group they got going there and, and one that would be tough to play against. That's probably one of the tougher fourth lines uh, in the league. In Montreal, they're sitting in fourth right now in the north after a 2-0-2 week. Uh, can't really complain about that. Obviously, you'd like some of those uh, overtime losses to turn into wins, but they got a point in every game, and, and that puts them right there in the hunt. Uh, you've got Thomas Tatar with one goal, three assists. Philip Deneau, one goal and three assists. Jonathan Druin picks up a trio of helpers over that stretch as well. So they're getting, uh, you know, their top line of Tatar, Denault, not a whole lot out of out of Gallagher over that stretch. Uh, had two points in, in one of those games, and then uh, he did pick up another goal. So uh, top line's producing, second line's producing. I think, you know, everything's going well for them other than the fact that uh, the game last night was canceled. Uh, as I alluded to earlier, uh, Paul, as you know, this is the first time this has affected uh, teams uh, in the, the North Division there uh, of having a game canceled due to COVID protocols. Yeah, and that's the concern for me, AJ. We've been lucky north of the border to dodge these bullets, but once it starts, you really hope that the, the teams can keep a lid on this. And uh, it's incumbent on Montreal to do their best to, to contain the spread, and certainly Edmonton 
could have been impacted had they taken the ice there. You hope the Oilers are safe as well. So that's something to monitor going forward because a compressed schedule could be a difference maker in this tight playoff race in this division. The New Jersey Devils are seventh in the East, but they had a three and one week last week. They're a team that could really be spoilers the rest of the way if they continue that play. Sammy Vatnin is a guy that was highly sought after in free agency before the season started, but the Devils have to be happy that they've held on to him. He led the attack, in fact, with two goals and one assist last week. Jesper Bratt, uh, a useful utility forward, picked up four points. That's not something you'll expect to see from him every week of the season by a long shot, but uh, Travis Zajac might be a guy guy that you can be counting on for regular productivity, and he didn't, didn't disappoint last week with three points of his own. In the Nets, Wedgwood was the goalie of record in two starts, picking up one win in those efforts, a total of five goals against. Up front, Nico Heischer has played only five games this year, installed as a new captain when he returned, but he's missed the last 13 games again due to concussion and COVID issues. Last week, in fact, uh, the woes continued as he underwent a sinus fracture surgery, expecting to miss another couple of weeks. So that's tough news for a guy that was hope they were hoping for uh, as a leader on this team going forward. It might have to wait till next year, in fact. After a slow start, though, uh, Zajac, as I mentioned, he is in, in as a number one center. Eight points in his last eight games played. So a, a viable option, a low-end price point in DFS if you're looking there. Cal Palmieri is another guy that they counted off on for offense, but he went through a long personal slump. Snapping out of it with four points in his last six games played has to be considered good news for the New Jersey club. So, you know, a, a number of those games, three of them, in fact, were, were against the Penguins. And so I got to, you know, watch this team a little bit more than, than I normally do. Um, and one thing that, that struck, uh, stuck out to me is at one point, uh, you know, P.K. Subban picked up uh, a penalty and, you know, they showed him sitting in the box or whatever. And I, I all of a sudden had the realization, like, we haven't really talked about P.K. Subban uh, much this year. And, and you know, you look at his numbers, they're, they're not terrible. They're not great. They're not, you know, the, the 59, 60-point campaigns he's put up when uh, on previous stints in the NHL. But three goals, 11 helpers in, in 29 games is, is okay. Uh, you know, the problem for P.K. Subban is that these numbers are just always going to be compared to the cost of his contract. You know, if he was making 2 $3 million less than what he is, then, then maybe it's not so bad that he's only got, you know, 14 points in 29 games. That's, that's almost a point every other night. It's Again, it's, it's not terrible numbers. It's not great. But when you're eating up 11% of your team's cap space, um, you're, you're expecting more. You're expecting closer to, to you know, 40, 50 points uh, on the season, which are numbers that he's not even going to get close to at this point unless something drastically changes here. Yeah, and the problem with that, AJ, is the contract – is is such that he he is going to be hard to deal, and that's that's an issue that the Devils will have to wear wear probably through the trade deadline this year and all of next season. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's definitely with with the revenues the way they uh, were and and have been impacted. Yeah, moving that contract is going to be uh, pretty difficult. We'll move to his former club, the Nashville Predators, uh, who had a real good week last week, three and one. Uh, still find themselves sixth in the Central. Getting production out of uh, plenty of guys. Uh, Kelly Armcock with three goals and three assists. Eli Tolvanen, two goals, two assists. 
Uh, Ryan Johansson, who we have, uh, you know, lambasted a little bit on this show before, uh, <laughs> at least I have, uh, one goal and two assists for him. Pekka Rene, two games, two wins, uh, and four goals allowed over that stretch. So uh, starting to put some things together with this club. And, and again, the the concern is the defensive side for me. Uh, the number of guys on IR, you got Roman Yossi, Ryan Ellis, and with those guys out, you'd expect guys like Mark Borowicki or Lucas Pisa to play, but they're also injured. So now Jeremy Davis is playing in top four. Alexander Carrier's uh, pairing up with Matisse Ekholm on their top pairing. Ben Harper is, is in the mix as well, and just guys that we normally would not expect to see on that blue line. So how long they can have sustained success like they did last week is, is a big question mark for me. Um, they're, you know, they're four points back at Columbus for fifth. Uh, well, actually, Chicago has 33 points as well. So they're four back of a playoff spot. Um, so it, it's not impossible if they can get healthy. Maybe they can put some of these pieces together and go from there. AJ, up next, we're going to talk about the New York Islanders. They're second in the East. They went one and two last week. Uh, Wallstrom leading the scoring for them. Two goals, two assists. Sezikas, two goals. Bailey, a goal and two helpers. He's the only top six guy that was with at least three points last week. And uh, no wonder they didn't fare better than they did one loss-wise. Like the Devils, their captain, Anders Lee, is injured, but he underwent season-ending ACL surgery last week. So uh, that's it for his campaign in this season a, a tough loss for a team that figured to be relevant uh, and may still down the stretch after all they are at the top end of this division but it leaves a big hole at left wing and to make that side that side of the ice more of a problem anthony volvi the only credible scoring option on the port side here collected a goal last week but it's only his third in 23 games played so far this season that's well below expectations, so you'll expect them to try and shore up the left wing uh, as the trade deadline approaches, I'm, I'm certain. Uh, Varlamov is doing his bit uh, much of the season, but he stumbled a little bit last week. Seven goals against in his two starts, but still an enviable 2.17 goals against average in 22 games played tells you all, all you need to know about the way the Islanders like to play the game. I think, you know, you, you mentioned the guys that did produce. My, my concern is the ones that didn't. Matthew Barzell, uh, one assist in his last four. Brock Nelson, same, one assist in his last four as well. Uh, so really, you know, the guys that are supposed to be at the top of this scoring list for them are, are not there. Uh, the one guy that I'll continue to plug because he continues to, to roll is, is Jean-Gabriel Pajot. Another solid week for him uh, as he continues uh, to put up numbers and, and really has uh, almost transitioned from the best third liner in the league to the best offensive piece on the Islanders. I mean, it's getting to that point um, with his continued success there. For the Rangers, uh, you know, they're, they're in the bottom of the East in, in six, had a, had a good week, two, one, and one, but uh, I don't expect to see this team competing uh, that much for, for that last spot here. They're just in what's got to be one of the toughest uh, or the toughest division uh, this season. Honestly, I think if the Rangers were playing, you know, in the central, they could certainly compete for a spot alongside Chicago, Columbus. Uh, I think they'd be right there in the, in the thick of it. But when you're looking at the potential of, you know, if the standings as they are right now, the flyers aren't going to make the playoffs. Uh, that's just a, t a tough spot for the Rangers. Uh, the one you know thing that I have found interesting over this stretch is that they have used Keith Kincaid more 
with Igor Shesterkin uh, unavailable. He had two games played, one win, six goals allowed. Uh, and they seem to have basically decided that Alexander Georgiev is, is not the guy there. And at least that's the way it reads to me. Uh, they have him locked in for one more season at just under two and a half, half mil. And I, I think there's a, a serious chance. He, I wouldn't expect it to be ahead of the deadline here, but maybe in the off season, this is a guy that could get moved because it seems at least that Shesterkin has won the starting job. They're fine with Keith Kincaid as the backup. Uh, and they'll go from there. The only caveat here is maybe they don't trade him um, because they need to have a netminder available for the the Vegas expansion draft. And then I think if he doesn't get selected uh, by Vegas, which I can't imagine he will be, um, then potentially they consider what options they have to to move him out. He's 25 years old, should have some appeal, relatively low cost. Um, but it just seems like he's not the the future and in any way here for the Rangers. Yeah, the thing that hurt him, as you mentioned, Kincaid has been a vital backup. His goal, his numbers peripherally are much better than Georgiev. So uh, on on the surface, when people first hear your comment, they might say, "Oh, you're out to lunch, AJ." But you've done your homework, partner, and I think you've made a good case here. Georgiev needs to do better than a, a barely a three goals against average in in his numbers and the save percentage not where he'd like it to be as well. So some work to do if he wants to stay on Broadway. But you mentioned that he could be really interesting to the new Seattle club if he's made available. The Ottawa Senators, this is a team that's mired in the eighth spot in the North Division. I think they're a lock for that, you could say. But uh, they're proving to be a headache uh, for several teams. They took Vancouver to overtime twice last week in losing both of those efforts and then last night they turned around and they bit Calgary uh, for an upset late late uh, regulation loss which is the most unkindly cut of all you'd, you'd be happy if you were the Flames to at least have got that game to overtime with their own late goal but the Senators did respond right away Norris was the guy that led the offense here with a couple of goals but uh, the news uh, is a little disconcerting in the goaltending situation AJ they're trying trying to find anybody that can stay healthy there Joey Decord now joins a long injury list at the goalie position he's considered out for the season in fact with a leg injury after the week before registering his, his first win as a pro uh, he might have to just look at that puck on his mantle as as a reminder of the high point of his season which is over right now Matt Murray is uh, still considered week to week with his upper body injury and they've committed a lot of money to him and uh, really the returns have been uh, come see come size they say in French a little bit up a little bit down and uh, they need more from him when he gets healthy I'm sure but in the meantime they're now looking at Philip Gustafsson a recent high draft pick by them as the next man up and he registered his first win as a pro last night in a very nice effort against the Flames saving over 30 shots in the game and looking really solid in that outing I watched most of it and uh, he looked like uh, he didn't appear nervous to me and he's going to get a chance to get a run of games here it looks like going forward so I'll be curious to see how he handles that in terms of the rest of the roster after a white hot stretch Drake Batherson has really cooled off considerably with only three points in his last eight games played on the plus side Ryan Zingle has chipped in with four goals in his last eight games I knew he was going to be a good fit in Ottawa and that's proving to be true a good low-end DFS option if you're looking there on defense Artyom Zub is another nice addition this 24 year old rookie is now earning top four minutes as a decently skilled offensive defenseman who has had his moments at both 
ends of the ice. He's looked very serviceable in his own defensive zone. So I think the minutes will only continue to rise for him, and he'll get a, a longer look on the power play as well, as long as he shows glimpses of the offensive side of the game that I've been seeing. I, I think if I'm, uh, you know, if, if I'm Gustafsson, I'm bringing somebody in to do like a cleanse of the goalie uh, stalls <laughs> in the locker room. I'm going to hang up, you know, a uh, 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 horseshoe above my locker. I'm going to keep a rabbit's foot in my pocket. Like <laughs> anything you can do when, you know, you've got Murray, Decord, and uh, Marcus Hogberg all out. And, and none of them with short-term injuries. These guys have missed uh, pretty significant chunks of time here. So it's I, I'm doing whatever I can uh, to, to try and stave off the, the bad juju here because, uh, it, it hasn't been been working for them of, of late. Uh, another team that hasn't really had a lot working for them of late is the Philadelphia Flyers. They're fifth in the East, so right in the mix, a two and two week. But for me, you got to look at these goaltending numbers for their last four games. Carter Hart uh, went two and one with a .817 save percentage, uh, and he was the better of the two netminders. Uh, Brian Elliott, for his part, went oh one and one. Uh, with a .788 save percentage. Uh, so really, uh, they're, they're not getting a lot of help on the back end. Now, offensively, you've got some guys clicking in, in Jacob Borisak with five points in his last five. Same with Claude Giroux, uh, two goals, three helpers over that stretch. Uh, you know, Sean Couturier is probably my one concern. Uh, actually, I have two, Kevin Hayes being the other. Both of those guys just picking up one assist. Now, Couturier has been dealing with a little bit of an injury um, and, and did miss a game over that stretch. So certainly, uh, they, you know, that's a factor. But you want more offense from these guys. But really, uh, what was a, a, a huge strength of this team for a while uh, in having, you know, the youngster, you know, guy of the future in Carter Hart and then the veteran backup in Brian Elliott, uh, you know, struggling, I, I think is somewhat telling. And the other, you know, thing I'll point out is the other night, uh, they're heading into a back-to-back, and other than even having Carter Hart dress, they had Alex Lyon serve as the backup to, to Brian Elliott. Now, I think the interesting part for me is that they obviously feel like there's enough fatigue there with Hart that they felt they were better off just giving him the full night off rather than you know just going with Brian Elliott starting in, in Carter Hart. So they didn't even want him to potentially come in in relief. And so the fatigue, you know, level, I, I get it. It's, you know, it's a compacted schedule. It's a tough season. Um, but that said a lot to me about where those guys are right now with their game and, and their fatigue level. The fact that they didn't even want Carter Hart available if needed. And instead went with Alex Lyon as the number two. Well, I think that could be a situation like they do in Toronto, AJ, when Freddie Anderson hasn't started, they've actually given him the night off. And I'm hoping that uh, they haven't given up on Hart. It would be see, seem very premature to write him off. I don't think that's happening at all. I think it's just a chance for him to stay away from the rink and clear his head. He'll get the start tonight, I'm pretty sure, in the second of back-to-backs there. The Pittsburgh Penguins, I'm going to get out of your way very quickly here, AJ. They had a <laughs> busy week. 2-2-1 two, two, and one was the record. 
Kasperi Kapanen leading the offense with three assists, but the annual injury has arrived for Evgeny Malkin. That's the big news here. He has a lower body injury that's going to keep him out, they say, for several weeks. I wonder if you have more information on that. That means, though, that Jared McCann is in as the number two center between Evan Rodriguez and Kapanen on that second scoring line. It occurs to me that both were deemed expendable by the Maple Leafs not so long ago, and yet here they are in scoring line roles. I get the Kapanen situation. His production has been decent year to date, but I don't understand the Evan Rodriguez situation, AJ. Why does he get in as a scoring line winger uh, when they must have better options? You've got to explain that one to me and our listeners. But maybe it has a lot to do with the absence of Brandon Tanev missing the last two games after a recent hot streak of his own. Yeah, I mean, Paul, they, you're right. They do, they should have better options, but they don't. I mean, uh, Brandon Tanev's out. Obviously, Jason Zucker's been out for a while. Um, if if Malkin was hel- healthy and they didn't have Tanev or Zucker, then you'd probably have McCann on the wing uh, for that second line. So they really don't have any other options. I mean, you're you're kind of looking at if not Rodriguez, uh, Zach Aston Reese, Sam Lafferty. Um, you know, that's about it really. So there, there's not better, better choices here than, than Evan Rodriguez. So I don't have any concerns with him in that spot because I don't know what else you do with the number of injuries. You know, they're also without, uh, Teddy Bluger right now, which, you know, he, he's been playing third line center for them. Um, and that's forced them to break up what has been, uh, easily, in my opinion, the best defensive line that this team has had all season long and, and chips in offensively from time to time and Tanev, Bluger, and Zach Ass and Reese. So um, the, the forward injuries are just, uh, you know, just compounding on top of each other and, and really limiting the options. Fortunately, they're healthy on the back end. They've gotten some of the best hockey of the year out of Chris Letang, uh, who really had a bad start to the season. And the net mining that, you know, at one point there was a lot of talk about Pittsburgh maybe trying to bring in a veteran backup behind Tristan Jari. Well, Casey DeSmith has put an end to any of that speculation with his recent run of games. Uh, in his last four outings, three and one, and he's got a 1.01 goals against average over that stretch. So, I mean, you don't want to, there's nothing better your backup's going to do. Uh, than that so they're not bringing anybody else in that's that's for sure in my in my opinion at least for that position they need some forward depth uh, if anything and San Jose uh, continues to be a rough year as as one would expect oh three and one last week uh, Devin Dubnik got the bulk of the starts here over Marty Jones uh, but didn't do anything with it uh, three games played no wins 11 goals allowed Look, I don't know what else we can really say about this team at at this point, Paul. There's just not much going on, despite what I think uh, should be a a pretty talented roster. I mean, Evander Kane, um, you know, on the back end, you've got Burns and Carlson. uh, You know, Timo Meyer should be producing more. Thomas Hurdle, Logan Couture, like there's some talent here. Um, there's not much in, in the nets. And I think they thought Devin Dubnik would do a better job, uh, than he has. It it, has been a terrible year for him. So, uh, I mean, Paul, do you think, am I just crazy? Am I living in the past with some of these names? Are are they over the hill here? And and that's what's affecting them. Or is this team just massively underperforming where they should be? You know, I, I like their centers, the one, two centers, Couture and Hartle, 
hurdles. It should be enough to drive an offense. But when you look at the fact that they're still using Patrick Marlowe in a scoring line role, that tells you all you need to know. You mentioned some aging parts here. Uh, no more than him. He's on the verge of eclipsing Gordie Howe's games played record, in fact. And I'm a little conflicted about that one. I like Marlowe as a, as a nice guy and all the rest of it. But we're talking about the venerable Gordie Howe here and the last of his big records about to be eclipsed by a guy who's just playing out the string and basically hanging around to do so and not really uh, offensively viable anymore with five points on the season. So uh, that leaves me really conflicted. But you mentioned uh, there, there's other youngsters that they're hoping for some development. Balsers, Gambrell, and Sorensen all on the third line, all expected to pick up some of the offensive slack and really nothing to show from, from any of them uh, to speak of. That's why you haven't heard their names much of the season in, in our podcast. They haven't done very much. And uh, for his, all his offseason issues, Evander Kane is still one of the capable offensive pieces here, scoring regularly enough to uh, be almost a point-of-game player, so you've got to tip your hat to him as well. But he's maybe the only winger of note that is doing anything offensively uh, here to, to report. So uh, that's the dilemma in San Jose, apart from the goaltending that's been questionable for a couple of seasons now. The St. Louis Blues uh, talk, trying to stay relevant despite their own host of injuries. They're fourth in the Western Conference, uh, Western Division rather, with a two and one mark last week. Jordan Cairo continues to be a key component of this offense, a real surprise contributor all season long. Added two goals and one assist uh, last week, but. Uh, the news that's noteworthy here is the Blues have almost alternated their goalies over the last 10 games with Billy Huso posting a 2-1-1 mark, allowing uh, 11 goals in his uh, last four starts. So that's reasonable enough and gives them confidence to get Jordan Bennington some rest. Bennington's season has been a little bit up and down itself, but of late I think I see signs that he's getting it back together and ready to go down the stretch. Vlad Tarasenko was blanked in three games last week after a solid return to the lineup, but make no mistake the Blues are thrilled that he's back as a top six winger and they're going to need him to produce because they have a whole bunch of injuries which will make it hard for them to track down the division leaders here Uh, I actually think they'll be a team that cruises into a playoff spot even if it is the fourth one as they get healthier down the stretch but make no mistake when they do they're going to be a real tough out consider that the weakness at center right now will be helped significantly with the return on the horizon for Tyler Bozak and Rob Thomas I wouldn't want to play these guys in the first round, would you? Absolutely not. Uh, they're they're a tough team. The the interesting you know matchup there, um, you know the the West, uh, it, Vegas against St. Louis in in a potential you know one four first round matchup, uh, and and it doesn't get any easier. You know the the expectation would be that if you get out of that one, you play Colorado. Um, <laughs> that's uh, the coming out of that West is not going to be easy. That's for sure. <laughs> What's also not going to be easy is coming out of uh, the Central. If you're anybody other than Tampa Bay, uh, you know, plenty of offensive numbers. You know, we can kind of gloss over them, to be totally honest with you. Yanni Gord, five points. Alex Kalorn, five points. Um, Steven Stamkos, five points in his last five games. You know, the offense is there. Uh, more accolades for Andrei Sveshnikov as he tied uh, the team record for winning streak with an 11th straight win. This guy has not lost a game since February 20th. That's a whole month uh, without losing a game. 
They've been giving him some rest uh, periodically and getting okay numbers out of Curtis McElhenney. He saw two games uh, and went one and one, 0.895 save percentage. So, you know, obviously nowhere near challenging Vasilevsky for, for the top spot here. Um, but at this point, Vasilevsky's been straight up unbeatable. Um, and, uh, you know, even, um, yes, you could look at the schedule and he's played a lot of, over that, that month, played a lot of Chicago um, some Detroit, some Dallas, a little bit of Nashville sprinkled in there too, but um, hasn't hasn't faced Florida. If you want a criticism over that that winning streak here, he has not faced the Panthers. Um, but the fact of the matter is, this guy has been basically unbeatable for a month now, um, and I just don't see how anybody's gonna gonna get past the the Lightning here. You know what's notable for me is AJ. They went three and one last week, and when I look at the guys that led the offense, it's not really the name recognition guys that we're used to talking about. Yanni Gord five points, Alex Kalorn with five points, Matthew Joseph with three, Patrick Maroon with three, even youngster Ross Colton makes his uh, mark with three points, but he has been up and down from the taxi squad. That shows you where he fits in on this roster. So it's the bottom six forwards that are really providing incredibly consistent uh, secondary scoring that we've been talking about for weeks here, and that's been a key, key component to Tampa's success last year when they went to the Cup, and uh, it's only continued this season. So uh, really, you talk about tough outs that they might be the toughest one in the league right now I, i'd rank them as the top team in the league in fact uh, and no surprise I, i'm sure i got a lot of agreement out there with our listeners a team that's hanging on to uh, first place in the north barely when only a short time ago it seemed like a nine point lead on the pack is the maple leafs they finally snapped an ugly six game winless streak with a victory a shutout win last week and jason spet jason spetsa chipped in with two goals he and Joe Thornton have been providing great leadership for this team all season long, but they've chipped in consistently with some secondary scoring for the most part. Thornton's slowing down a little bit, but Spezza really ramping up his game of late. Freddie Anderson has been the story of, in the tabloids here in the city with his up-and-down season. He conceded last week that he's been dealing with a minor injury, minor injury issues for much of the campaign. It finally looks like he's going to ch- get a chance to get healthy because I think they're turning the reins over to Jack Campbell. All he's done is is get uh, two shutouts three weeks apart in his last two outings after his own injury issues. He looked spectacular in the victory over Calgary last week, and he's going to get a run of games beginning with a tilt against Ottawa on Thursday to see if he can answer a couple of questions. Can he be a viable option this year? And can he be trusted to be a number one goalie if, if he does well in a string of games? That could really have a big impact on Freddie Anderson's future in Toronto beyond this season on an expiring $5 million cap hit. That's the big question because they have some other concerns cap-wise, of course, as a team that has some key guys coming due at the pay window over the next two seasons. Another guy that's getting a look-see is Alex Galchenyuk, AJ. Uh, it should, may come as a surprise to you, but he had a nice run with the AHL Marlies with eight points in six games and then has had an assist over his first two games here, playing alongside Nylander and, and uh, Tavares on the second unit. It's an experiment that they hope will succeed because it'll push Joe Thornton down into uh, away from a scoring line role, which to me was a big mistake, right out of the gate. And uh, another guy that, uh, that helps Jumbo Joe drop down the roster is the return of Wayne Simmons he's back into a top six role on the left side brings a lot more than the goals and assists to his 
to his game with some physicality the Leafs desperately need, and he's a real good net front presence on the power play, which has been struggling of late. The Leafs, on the on the terms of a roster depth situation, they've lost two players to the Vancouver Canucks in waiver claims as Travis Boyd and Jimmy Vesey are out on the left coast now playing bottom six roles for that team where they couldn't get in regular turns in a, in a deeper Toronto situation. Well, yeah, I'll just take a look at the the Vancouver Maple Leafs right away. <laughs> See what I did there? Um, yes. Yeah, a good a good week for them. Three zero and one. Which honestly, if I'm being you know totally honest, I think is a bad thing for them. Like I don't I don't know that you want to be competitive, uh, you know, and pushing for that four spot. Now they've played five more games than Montreal. So, um, you know, they're two points behind Montreal and Montreal has a a raft of games in hand here. So um, I I do think they'll ultimately be sellers, but I I just hope the, you know, the organization's not looking at it like, oh, well now we're suddenly in contention. Maybe we don't have to be sellers. Look, you don't have Tanner Pearson. Elias Pedersen has been out for a long time. Uh, Bo Horvat's dealing with an injury. Brandon Sutter's dealing with an injury, which is why they claim these guys. And here's what I, I will say as we get closer to the trade deadline here. I think Travis Boyd and Jimmy Vesey are going to be trade pieces for the, the Canucks. I think they're going to look to move those guys. Um, if you're a contender that has some depth issues, Travis Boyd can come in, add some physicality for you. Jimmy Vesey, maybe a, a little bit of bottom six offense. So, uh, I would be surprised if those guys are still on uh, the the team come the the you know April thirteenth. Uh, you know maybe they'll maybe they'll cost Toronto a little bit. Maybe they'll squeeze something out of the Leafs to get those guys back <laughs> after claiming them for free on waivers. But I, I expect this looks like a team maybe loading up um, some added pieces so that they can move other things whether it be those guys or maybe even somebody else uh, ahead of the deadline here. And uh, over in Vegas, H.A., the rich seemed to get richer as they got a contribution from a guy who didn't factor, figure to be a part of this lineup. Keegan Colasar registering his first goal in his 26th game as a pro uh, in, in a spot start last week as a, as a third-line winger. They've been looking for scoring on that third line, so maybe he gets to hold on to that spot and get a bit of a run there. Uh, in terms of the second line, I've been lamenting the underperformance of Riley Smith all year long. That just continued last week while his fellow wingers on that unit uh, fellow line mates on that unit Carlson and Marchessault continue to be relevant in DFS as they continue to score fairly regularly for this team but it's the first line that's been carrying their fortunes and that's where they took a bit of a blow as Max Pacioretty's been out of lineup for the last couple of games but guess what they have Alex Tuck to plug in there and while he hasn't been productive lately he did come off a very nice run in a third line role himself so uh, while Pacioretty gets healthier I think that that situation is in good hands because I expect Tuck to be productive as long as he gets a first line look there it only goes a bit of an uptick in that uh, direction uh, until Pacioretty comes back they have a real insur- good insurance policy in Tuck is what I'm trying to say on that third line situation well and now they have their their full complement of their their twelve and a half million dollar goalie tandem uh, back in available. Robin Leonard uh, played uh, two games, including last night, a pair of wins for him in his return, um, and that's that's certainly good news that they have that tandem uh, back and and working together. 
Uh, obviously, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury put together a, a really great run of games uh, while uh, Leonard was, was out. But, uh, you know, he's, he's, uh, having both is, is better than not, I, th- I think. Even though I'm, I'm of the mind that Fleury succeeds best when he's an every-night starter. Uh, I, I fully believe that. But if you're looking for insurance and to make a deep run and to give yourself options, um, having two guys is, is not a bad thing. I mean, both of Fleury's uh, last two cups came while he was more sharing the crease, uh, you know, with Matt Murray uh, than, than being a, you know, a solo number one guy. So uh, I, I think it can work. It's going to be important to keep uh, both guys engaged and in, in working here. And, and I think that's going to be the challenge for the coaching staff is how do you get uh, enough opportunities for both guys. It's a busy schedule. It shouldn't be that hard, um, but it's certainly something you're going to want to look at. In Washington, uh, they uh, are the class of the East Division right now with another strong week, 3-1, and one, uh, continuing to get real solid production out of Justin Schultz, four assists over that stretch. Uh, Vinick Vanasek took two of the games, got two wins, and, and only gave up one goal over that stretch. And I think he is really... Uh, complicated the decision for this team uh, between you know him and Ilya Samsonov. Now Samsonov's numbers on the year are phenomenal. He's played in nine games. He's six one and one over that stretch. So you know, real good numbers out of him. Uh, but I think they're they're facing a, a difficult decision moving forward in, in who to ride for the most part here. Again, you know, you look uh, Samsonov. You know, 22 games played, or Vanasek rather, 22 games played. He didn't have that injury like like Samsonov did. 13 wins, uh, 2.6 six goals against average. So a good problem to have. Don't get me wrong, but it, I think there's going to be some tough decisions between the Nets for them moving forward. And I think also on on the in terms of the rest of the lineup here. Uh, curious note that T.J. Oshie was pressed into some service at center ice as they did a bit of a shuffle with Connor Sheary moving over to the right wing on the second line. He's not been very productive offensively, but he, if he gets a longer look there, playing beside Nick Backstrom, he's going to get a couple of points by accident. But uh, a key move there precipitated by Lars Eller's situation. He's only listed a day's day-to-day, so it could be very temporary. Uh, he didn't play on Saturday, of course, with that lower body hurt and has missed the last four games. So just a situation to watch for in the way, in the way they deploy some guys that are normally top six players and some guys that aren't in a bit of a roster shuffle there Uh, in uh, winding this thing up we take a look at Winnipeg every week and this is a team that is right in the thick of the race third in the north division they won one and three last week and get this AJ they were the last team to lose two straight games this season finally losing consecutive matches last week for the first time on the year uh, so that's uh, a bit of a low water mark, if you will. But they're still in the thick of the race with Edmonton, Edmonton and Toronto in that race for the, the division flag, uh, if you will. Josh Morrissey looking to be more offensively relevant. Four assists last week on his ledger. He has all of a sudden become relevant offensively here, enjoying a nice stretch, in fact, with six points in his last seven games played overall. In other news, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois looking more comfortable in the Jets lineup now, listed as the second-line center for wide wouldn't he be he's got two elite wingers and in Nikolai Ehlers and Kyle Connor who are just flying right now and producing really really well uh, on the first line there's a bit of a, a blip for Mark Shifley he 
was one of the more consistent scorers all season to date and is now scoreless in his last three games. That's also a low water mark for him. And Blake Wheeler, one point in his last four games played. So the dynamic duo uh, certainly looking to that second line to cover up for their ills of late. And it had a large part to play in that one and three week that I spoke of. Connor Hellebuck may uh, still be regarded, obviously, as one of the top goalies in the game. But uh, he may be showing signs of cracking a little bit under a heavy workload, AJ, when you consider he's allowed three or more uh, goals against in each of his last eight starts and faced 35 or more shots on goal in five of his last seven starts so you can easily see where they might be looking for a defensive upgrade uh, as they look to the trade deadline here that's the a hole they need they would like to fill to limit and find a way to limit shots on goal against uh, the defending uh, Vezina trophy winner well I mean and I'll continue to harp on the fact that I just don't think Paul Stastny or Pierre-Luc Dubois is a winger um, and so the fact that yeah Luke Dubois is looking better um you know, in, in his spot, I think Paul Stastny still looks miscast as a, as a top line left winger. And so I think they need to address that position too. And when you start to talk about, well, we need better defense in front of our netminder, we need a top six winger um, so that we can move Stastny back to center. I think it just gets to be too much to try and pull off at the deadline in a normal year, much less this season. So uh, I have concerns about the long-term uh, you know, the, the playoff ability of this team, just because I, I see those as two pretty glaring uh, problems that are going to be hard to address uh, at, at the deadline here. And as we approach the deadline, we're going to harp on these things more and more, AJ. So it's a great way to finish off this week's show and give our listeners a, an idea that we're going to look at the tradable pieces and the teams that are looking to fill holes in their roster as we get much closer to that deadline in a couple of weeks. Uh, it wraps up our look around the league on this episode of podcast. Thank you for listening to me, the Statsman, Paul Bruno, and AJ, AJ Scholes in RotorWire's Signature Fantasy Hockey Podcast with the support of our sponsors at Owner's Box. Please remember you send your comments or questions on twitter follow me paul bruno at statsman 22 you can follow aj at aj shows 24 and as always we invite you to listen into podcasts to get our tips to stay out of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research stay tuned for our dfs segment where we help win money on fanduel and DraftKings as uh, we get you ready for tonight's action Hey, DFS fans, we haven't forgotten about you. AJ Scholz and I, Paul Bruno, the Statsman, are back with your daily fantasy sports picks with our thoughts ahead of tonight's schedule. AJ, it's a limited slate. Are there any games that you'll be watching ahead of the others that uh, are on tonight's schedule? Yeah, I mean, obviously losing uh, losing that one game tonight is, is certainly a big deal uh, in terms of options for, for DFS here. I think if there's a game... Uh, that I'm most intrigued by in terms of even matchup. Uh, actually, there's probably not any. <laughs> if I'm being totally blunt, maybe Tampa Bay Lightning, but I think you've got your pick of kind of one-sided, uh, potentially one-sided contest. You know, Flyers, uh, New Jersey, uh, Nashville, Detroit, uh, you know, maybe Florida, Chicago. Maybe that's your closest to uh, an even matchup, but um, yeah, I think it, it's going to open up some opportunities to do some stacking tonight is, is what I'm seeing, at least, in, in picking the right games to stack and figuring out where to go from, from there, I think it's going to be the key tonight. 
All right, let me uh, break in with my picks on the FanDuel platform. AJ, I'm really confident about this lineup, so I hope our listeners do spend a nickel at least in FanDuel play and see if I can win them, uh, maybe even a quarter tonight. How about that? We'll, we'll think that <laughs> there are a couple of stack opportunities, as you mentioned, I'm, and I'm leaning toward the Florida-based clubs in terms of many stacks in, in, the, in the lineup I propose. I begin at center with Alexander Barkov, I think the the thinness of the Chicago center depth is making this look like a real good pick for me. And I put put him into my lineup at $7,700, the most expensive skater that I have in tonight's matchups. And and I love the advantage that he has over the pivots on the Hawks side. That's a big reason why I put him in there. I mentioned when we were profiling Tampa that we haven't really spoken about the top guns here uh, as the it's been the secondary scoring that's carried the team. I think tonight is a chance for the big guns to light it up a little bit. And so Braden point becomes my second center i plug him in at seventy six hundred dollars i think that's a low price point for a guy who has been a consistent scorer for this club all season long man's the power play plays first line minutes and has a tasty matchup against a banged up dallas club that we highlighted in that regard too on the wings, I start off with Jonathan Huberdeau, who is one of the better scoring wingers in the NHL year in, year out, and priced at only $7,400. I think it could be a high-scoring game against Chicago. I talked about the fact that their starting goalies have been a bit of an issue for them of late, an opportunity for Florida's high-octane offense to pick up some numbers tonight i do believe the tampa lightning factor into my winger picks as well with a couple of choices andre palat for sixty one hundred dollars and alex Kalorn at forty nine hundred dollars two guys that play in the top six here and that's good enough for me at these relatively cheap price points i round out my forward compliment with the addition of joel farabee i think this is a night where pitts philadelphia is seeking revenge on an upset loss last night and I think Farabee's going to play a key role. He's had uh, been a surprise addition to the top six of the Flyers this season, but consistent scorer that he is, he's factored in more nights than not in DFS play, and yet only $5,100 is the price point. On my defense, I pick up a couple of guys. I spent a little bit more than I normally do looking at guys that factor into the power play situations for their respective teams. People overlook the fact that uh, Girard, Stefan Girard, uh, has, has had a very nice season. I call him Stefan Samuel Gerard, I believe it is. And and uh, he's got 22 points season to date, AJ, and that's uh, one of the top scoring defensemen in the league, considering that you wouldn't name him off the top of your head in that regard, I'm sure. And Keith Yandel perennially, a second, uh, a top-tier scoring defenseman, second pairing guy in terms of the regular rotation and certainly a fixture on a high-octane Florida power play. He, they're both in there at sub-$5,000, as I like to... Actually, Yandel's at $4,000 flat, so... I I get really good value, I think, with my defensive picks. And then I'm going to pick the beleaguered Carter Hart and the Nets, priced at only $7,200. He's had a very uh, low stretch in terms of productivity most recently. Not very productive, not very confident in the way he's looked. But I I look for tonight to be a a turning point for him as he gets the second of back-to-backs and uh, the Devils not exactly a high-octane offense. So he has a chance to put up a low goals against total and hopefully receipt for the win, and that's a nice combination for me. So that's the way my lineup looks. Uh, What say you about your DraftKings picks? Well, for me, I'm I'm looking right at Colorado tonight playing Arizona, um, and I'm gonna do I'm gonna full max out my my stack ability here. So um, I've got the full first line of Nathan McKinnon at nine thousand, Gabriel Landeskog seven thousand, Miko Rantanen at eight thousand. I'm even gonna add Kale McCarr uh, for fifty two hundred on the blue line, and then Philip Grubauer for me. 
between the pipes at 8,300, though. Uh, I may change that if Jonas Johansson starts tonight. Um, I don't know what I'll do, to be totally honest with you. I love Colorado. I think they uh, are very capable of winning tonight, but I have serious concerns about Jonas Johansson between the pipes. So I might go for another team. Uh, if if Maybe I'll go with Carter Hart, per your suggestion, Paul, if, uh, if Philip Grubauer doesn't start. As you can see with those numbers, uh, especially with that top line and getting one of the most costly uh, defensemen on the, the list tonight, I have pretty much spent all of my money. So <laughs> it's kind of pick and choose here for uh, uh, you know some value plays on, on some teams that could score. I know you're on the other side with Florida, and if I was betting on the game uh, straight up, I would take the Panthers as well. But I think there's still an opportunity for some production out of Chicago. And the guy I'm looking at is David Camp, 2,800, super cheap. Uh, right now he's set to play on the top line with Alex DeBrincat and Patrick Kane. That's basically falling into an assist at that point. Uh, so if, if he gets moved off, that'll obviously shuffle my roster there as well. I think tonight's an opportunity to get some value out of Nashville. Um, because they're playing Detroit uh, and a guy who's been red hot of late, Eli Tolvanen, again, playing on the first line with Philip Forsberg and Ryan Johansson, and he's coming in at just 3,900. Defensively, uh, I'm taking a throwaway on a team that should hopefully um, get some production uh, based on their matchup. Just 2,500 for Justin Braun. I have no real indication that he'll do much of anything, but hopefully, uh, you know, if if Philadelphia is running, uh, running the Devils out of town, maybe Braun can pick up an assist or even a goal. And then I'm going to round it out. I agree, Paul. Tampa, uh, you know, good matchup for them. Uh, I wasn't able to get into their top six here uh, just because I spent so much on Colorado. But you can get Barkley, Goodrow, 3,100 on DraftKings tonight. Third line winger playing with Yanni Gord and Blake Coleman. They've been getting production, you know, deeper down the lineup of late, as, as we alluded to earlier in the show. And so I think um, he's a, a good option there. Uh, I'll just real quick, if, if Philip Grubauer is not going to play tonight, I just don't trust Jonas Johansson. So I will likely go with Carter Hart as my alternative or possibly Pekka Rene or UC Saros, whichever one of them goes for Nashville. So just to give our listeners my potential alternative if Philip Grubauer is not starting tonight. Bonus picks from AJ. Uh, that's just part of the intrigue going forward we're looking forward to the trade deadline as i said a couple of times in the next couple of weeks where we'll really focus on the guys that are might be available and teams that are looking to fill spots you you and i did a bit of a tease in that uh, regard during the course of the show we'll only wrap that up in coming weeks so more compelling reasons for you to listen to a podcast with stats ben and aj we, sh- we wish you good luck with your picks join us again next tuesday for the following episode of podcast with stats ben and aj so long everybody 